0: Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and today we've got two big theater movies to talk about. We've got Knives Out and Honey Boy. Uh, I have seen a couple of other movies in between this, but if you guys remember, I was traveling all last week. I did uh, get a chance to watch Avengers Endgame with my family, and uh, just because my dad hadn't seen it yet, and uh, he, it was... We watched it at night, the first night he fell asleep, right right middle of the time heist, and so I paused the movie, I was like, we'll watch it tomorrow. Watched it the next day, and he fell asleep again... And uh, it's—he's not the best at watching movies, but I think he really enjoyed it, and obviously we all did. That—that's one of my favorite movies ever of all time. Could be my favorite of all time, you know. Who—wait, wait wait and see. But, um, but no. So we did that. But a lot of what I've been doing has been watching uh, TV shows. Uh, Obviously, when you're traveling, it's a little easier to watch. You know, twenty minutes here, twenty minutes there. So uh while we were in texas uh, my brothers and i we watched uh some even stevens uh, on disney plus which is probably one of my favorite shows of all time i love that show which really dovetails nicely into watching honey boy uh but then my wife and i and kind of my family we were all watching uh these shows my mom was showing us one of them was stump town which is uh a show with uh, uh, Maria Hill, it was a Kobe Smolders. good show, I enjoyed it, Uh, but the one I actually liked a lot more was Bless This Mess with Lake Bell and Dax Shepard, and uh, Ed Begley Jr., Pam Greer, it was a great, it was really funny, I was laughing my butt off. And then uh, once I got back, I had to catch up on a lot of the shows that I was watching. So I actually watched the, the last two episodes of My Hero Academia. Uh, the the second to last one was incredibly boring. It was an entire talking episode, which I was bummed about. Even more so because the next episode had a one-minute recap of everything that was being talked about. That could, I could have just done that. I could have skipped that episode. But um, good nonetheless. I love that show. And uh, finally watched the I watched the newest episode of Watchmen. Holy cow, uh, that that show just continues to impress me. That and the Mandalorian, it seems like every episode makes me fall in love more and more with the show. So most recent episodes of Mandalorian and Watchmen were incredible. I I'm not kidding. I watched that episode the all all black and white the nostalgia flashback episode I had a dream about it like I had a dream that I was in that time period kind of reliving those moments like everything was in black and white because that was I I won't lie that I was I wouldn't not not freaked out but as I'm watching it like I was almost terrified like especially that scene and and at this point I guess spoilers for everything we're gonna be discussing here so if you haven't seen any of these uh, episodes or you're waiting pause this come back or if you don't mind sp- being spoiled you know here's your warning but uh, uh that episode when um the main character when he's about to get lynched and hung on the tree that was just uh it was just so visceral and terrifying i was on the edge of my seat and i was i, I haven't been scared watching like legitimately scared watching something in a really long time when i was younger I got scared of a lot of stuff in movies. I was scared of Wizard of Oz. I was scared of Home Alone. I was literally any movie. If you if you can think back to that time period, you know, not, really any movie, I guess, doesn't matter. But movies where there was a there was a part of the movie that was meant to be scary, but really wasn't scary, right? Like the Wicked Witch of the West uh, riding her bike in the storm or the furnace in the basement in home alone or the old man in home alone or I'm, I'm trying to think of some other movies that just what was oh was it home alone yeah yeah that was one so these were all movies that i did not like growing up because those things actually scared me like they're played off sort of as laughs for an older audience but even i mean the movies were like rated pg g but i was legitimately scared like i get scared by that sort of stuff not anymore but uh, it's funny because I, that stuff sort of imprinted on me. So like, I am not a huge fan of Wizard of Oz. I'm not a huge fan of Home Alone. Though Home Alone has grown on me, like I said over the years as I've watched it more. But this this show, this episode, nostalgia, or uh, I believe what was I don't remember what the title of the episode was called, but episode six of Watchmen actually scared me. It to the point where I had a nightmare about it, and it wasn't even a it wasn't one of those nightmares where you know a guy's chasing after you with a knife, but It was. I just remember. I was living that that uh, in that time period as that main character, and I was. It was just. That's how much it made an impression on me. So I, that show has become. um, It's almost become my favorite thing about Watchmen, and I don't know if that's. I, I may need to wait till the season's complete, but I think it's better than the movie. The movie is amazing in its own right, but in terms of expanding the universe, infinitely better in dealing with race and other really hot, hot topics like that. And uh, I, I can't say that I enjoy it more than the comic because it's a different medium but more than the motion comic, sure, yeah, we could say that, it's just the, every time I watch an episode, all I ever think is, oh, Alan Moore would hate this, like, Alan Moore would hate this, and to me, that, that's a success, I would say, because he wanted nothing to do with the show, and, uh, they made a great show, nonetheless, same with Mandalorian, uh, every episode is now looking, to me, it feels like a western, um, and I had explained this to my family, I was like, it feels like um, John Favreau, and they're, they're probably taking pitches from everybody like, hey, you know what? Uh, what are your thoughts on, you know, what would you do if you could make a Star Wars show? And John Favreau was like, what if we took uh, an approach where every episode was as long as it needed to be, but somehow in that episode there was a beginning and then something happens and then there's a huge fight at the end, like a huge battle at the end, some great big battles, so that essentially every episode has a giant action set piece. That's how it feels watching that show. Like you've got the uh, you've got the the big battle with uh, IG11 in the first episode, the big battle against the um, the what was it called the the horn mud horn in the second episode. Obviously the giant. Uh, Mandalorian battle in the third episode, and now you've got a huge battle with an AT-ST in this one, just phenomenal, Baby Yoda is, he's climbing the ranks, and, I mean, there were multiple times during this season, where, or episode, where I was like, don't you leave Baby Yoda, it was, actually, I'm, I'm thinking back, because I watched this a couple days ago, but we're watching it, and, uh, the show opens up with the, the small town, ta- the small little village being attacked, and it's just—it's like I said—it's—it's it's almost a formula at this point. And it's the best kind of formula because after those raiders attacked, and it went right to the boom, boom to the Mandalorian piece. I said, "Oh, all of those raiders are going to die. The Mandalorian is going to kill all of them." And uh, and sure enough, that's what happened because you know he got involved. But it was just—it's cool how everything comes together in that show it's slowly becoming one of my favorite pieces of star wars for sure and that's speaking as i'm re-watching all this stuff i certainly like it more than the so right now uh just you know to give you a heads up where i'm at right now i've finished the prequels and both of the new uh sort of sequels i guess solo and rogue one so all of those are done, and now uh, once and again, I'm traveling, uh, and this won't affect anyone listening to this who's you know just listening to the movie stuff because I typically do the movie podcast on Sundays, and uh, so I'll be back by then. But I'm I'm just I'm traveling for on a business trip, uh, so I'm going to be catching up on a bunch of Netflix movies while I'm gone. Wish me luck, um, and actually we'll get to that in a second. But um, so next up is the original trilogy of a uh, New Hope Empire and Return of the Jedi and then uh, the two sequels uh, 7 and 8 and hopefully by then we'll be ready for the movie. But I you you guys are going to be interested by this because this will be that'll be a um, its own podcast. I guess you could say like I said earlier there's going to be a bunch of extra podcasts coming up in these ne- these next coming months. And uh, just to give you guys a heads up in regards to that, there will be, I'm going to have one that is just discussing all of the Star Wars movies. That podcast, I will actually make, um, I'm going to make that podcast, I'm trying to decide if I'm going to, yeah, yeah, yeah. I will make that as one podcast with all of them. And then I will have a separate podcast that is uh, just on uh, the Rise of Skywalker, because I, I was thinking of doing them all in one podcast, but that yeah, may end up being too long. But as it stands right now, Mandalorian is sitting above Attack of the Clones. It's sitting above uh, Solo and Rogue One, and I—that's th- probably where it would be, right? Bullet. But I—I I guess you can guess where the other ones are. But I—I I don't really want to reveal what my final list is yet. But safe to say, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I love the prequel trilogy. That's my favorite trilogy. So. And in regards to that too, like I said, we'll have I'll have a podcast towards the it actually won't be towards the end of the year. It'll be after the new year uh, for the top my top films of twenty nineteen. The reason it won't be by the end of the year is because the way Hollywood works, there are still a bunch of movies that are twenty nineteen movies that aren't coming out until the beginning to middle of January movies that very well could end up in my top 10, specifically uh, A Hidden Life, which is a Terrence Malick movie, and I think comes out January 10th or sometime in January. A huge Terrence Malick fan, so I'm really looking forward to that movie. I can't think if there are any others. Oh, uh, 1917, I've heard really good things about that movie, so I'm really looking forward to that one very well. It's very possible that will end up in in my top as well. Um, so that one will come at that point there will also then be a uh, and this will be something I'll be discussing it with my brother but him and I are going to do a top our top 50 movies of the decade since we're and en- we're ending out 2019 I think that needs to be done before the end of the year because uh obviously it's the end of the decade and um it's going to be, a, it's probably going to end up being two podcasts. So it'll be one that we talk about the bottom 25. And then one where we talk about the top 25, because I don't think you'd be able to cram all of that into one episode. My plan is to essentially explain why each of them are in that list, sort of, you know, where I was at in terms of, uh, um, you know, when I was watching the movie, you know, quick thoughts on it, because again, I can't go into, tw- I don't can't talk about 25 movies in uh in a span of an hour or whatnot, but we'll, and we'll iron out those details. It could change. And then the final one obviously was, and I, I think I'm going to be titling it the infinity saga and me. That's going to be a podcast just on my own of, uh, I'm going to go through all of the Marvel studios movies. Uh, now that I've seen them all, they're all on DVD, Blu-ray. I've seen them all multiple times now. And I I'll, I'll kind of go over, like I said, a discussion on Marvel studios as a business along with my thoughts on all of the films as that progresses so instead of uh ranking those movies in terms of my lead and i have a ranking i can i can share that at that point but i'm going to just be discussing them in chronological order that way you can kind of get and and like i said it's kind of going to be a little bit of an autobiography of like what my life was like during those 10 years of of marvel studios goodness starting with iron man and uh, so those, those, I'm really excited for all of those, and um, and so yeah, so there's some good things coming in the future for the movies portion of this of this podcast. But uh, without further ado, uh, we're gonna jump into these movies. So the first one that I saw, which was yesterday, was Knives Out. This is a Ryan Johnson movie, written and directed by him, starring uh, in no short terms Daniel Craig, Chris Evans. Uh, Anna Diarmas, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Tony Collette. It is I, I, I say this it's the same thing I say in all other things, but it is a who's who of of famous and amazing actors. And they are all uh they're all showing up. All of them act the hell out of this movie. You can tell that they're having fun, you can tell that they're enjoying making this movie. And I am a huge fan of any movie that keeps me guessing until the very last minute. Movies like, uh, I mean, this movie—it's everyone said it. It's true. This is—it's very reminiscent of Clue, uh, but it also—I mean, you name it—in terms of whodunits, Ten Little Indians, and uh, they, they actually—I saw a box office comparison of this to Murder on the Orient Express. Uh, Cause that movie came out right around the same time. I don't think it was last year, but it may have been. It may have been last year. But I just love those mystery movies where, where to me, it shows the true cleverness of the writer in crafting a story that I can't figure out. Because I've seen a lot of movies, and I, I was uh, I was counting up my ratings just this year on IMDb, and I think I've seen almost two hundred and fifty movies. Uh, maybe more or or media, I guess, because there's TV ratings in there, too, for shows that I've finished. But overall, I, I see a lot of movies. And so when when you see so many movies, I think there's a certain there can get to be a certain sense of desensitization on certain less, I guess, p- more poor movies, ones where uh, I mean, just for example, uh, Angel has fallen. We talked about that a little earlier this year. Uh, that is a movie where there is no mystery to be had. You know within probably the first fifteen minutes how that movie is going to be end. It's going to end. You know the three act structure of that movie. Uh, but then you get a movie like Avengers Endgame where there is a three act structure, or you can. But it, in in that sense, it's beautifully broken down into. You have the first act of uh, them killing Thanos and you know mourning, and then the second act of the time heist, and then the third act of fighting thanos at avengers compound and to compare the three acts of that movie with literally almost any other movie you can't really do it because you're not you're almost not guess. you can't guess what's going to happen and i mean watching as many times as i have eventually you're like yeah i guess you could see if you were if you were really good you could probably have guessed certain things but you know angel is fallen it's like okay you know he's gonna clear his name and and save the day knives out along with a lot of these murder mysteries, they really keep you guessing until the end of the movie. And I really applaud Ryan Johnson for doing so. Though I got to say, there are a couple of giveaways in this one. So again, uh, spoilers for this movie and for the other movies. I just want to point that out again since we were chatting a little bit earlier. But um, the movie is about a family, a rich white family that has a... Really funny, actually. There is a a very whip smart commentary on immigration and, um, sort of not birth birtherism, I guess you could say being American in this film that is not, not in, in any small terms, the, the plot of the movie, but it plays into the plot and it's, it done in such a smart way. No one knows where the maid is from. And that's played by the maids played by Anna DeArma. So she's not a maid. She's a, um, she's the, uh, Christopher Plummer. Is the the head of this family? He is a crime novel writer, and he has a couple of kids who all have you know bits of family. And so his kids are Jamie Lee Curtis and uh, Michael Shannon, and then Tony Collette is his daughter-in-law. And I'll pull up their names again. I apologize. There's just so many people in here, but uh, uh, Don Johnson. Is the husband of Jamie Lee Curtis, and then Chris Evans is the son of Jamie Lee Curtis and John Don Johnson. Uh, Michael Shannon is married to uh, Ricky Lindholm, and they have a son, Jaden Martell from the It series. That part's really funny. And then Catherine Langford is in this film. She's the daughter of Tony Collette, who is the um, again she is the daughter-in-law of. Uh, Christopher Plummer, her husband, had, had died at some point, point. and so at the same time, Lakeith Stanfield and uh, Noah Sagan and Daniel Craig are all the uh, kind of, or the the first two are the police officers. Daniel Craig was hired to investigate. He's a famous detective, and so Anna Diarmas plays Marta, who is the, she is essentially the uh, in-house care for Christopher Plummer. He's old, And he, at multiple points, essentially needs not just a friend, but somebody to take care of him medically. So to, you know, administer the, his shots and medicine and what, excuse me, what have you, but no one knows where she's from. So like the first person who, and, but everyone loves her and there's that classic get outline of oh I'd vote for Obama if, if a third for a third time if I could uh, every time they see her each person who hugs her this is after Christopher Plummer dies I'm so sorry that uh, I wish you had been at the funeral I, I I wanted you to be at the funeral but I was outvoted and they all say that but at the same time they're all like oh you're like family to us you uh, like we'll make sure that you get taken care of now that obviously she doesn't have a job uh, because he died and uh but they don't know where she's from so like the first person's like yeah she's from uh Uruguay and then someone else says she's from Paraguay someone else says she's from Brazil Ecuador and it's like just you know that that classic thing so um at that point and and here's what I'll say as the movie starts and kind of gets going you you get your guesses as to who's gonna and and this movie was really well made in the sense that the movie immediately starts with interviews of daniel craig and the police officers interviewing the suspects the family and i was like oh that's interesting typically you kind of get a little bit of build-up before them but through those interviews you get flashbacks to the prior night's party all this other stuff and uh so they're interviewing people and they're kind of all telling their stories and every one of them is lying and what ended up happening is christopher Plummer, on the night of this big this big sort of party for his 85th birthday uh he essentially delivers bad news to all of his children he tells his um he tells don johnson's character the guy from Watchmen, he knows that he's having an affair with another woman he says you're either going to tell jamie lee curtis or i am and so he's got like video footage and everything, and he has a letter. He's like, "I'm going to give her this letter if you don't, you know, tell her." And so there, oh, there's your motive. And then uh, you hear from Chris Evans' character, and uh, we find out that he was going to be cut out of the will. And so there's a motive there. And then Michael Shannon's character, he is a, uh, he is the the publisher for his father's book company. He doesn't, he doesn't, he's not like he basically he publishes the books and so that night he fires him because he says you know my other kids they all built their own sort of empire from the ground up and you kind of were just given your empire and that's a lot of stress on you like he he makes a good a good uh, explanation for it but he's like we're gonna i'm cutting you off basically or you're gonna go do your your own thing and then tony collette's character he's been paying for her daughter's tuition catherine langford's tuition. Um, but he finds out that she's been double dipping and stealing from him about 400000 And so even as nice as he is then, he says, hey, here's your last payment, but we're done. I'm not paying you any more money. So there's your motive. And they all lie about, you know, oh, that's they don't mention those things to the police officer. But you kind of get this feeling, and it's explained throughout it, that there's this sense of entitlement with the entire family. That they all feel like they're owed something from Christopher Plummer. And so there's this big hubbub about the will reading coming up. And you can kind of tell it as it's coming. Like, uh oh, who's going to be the one to inherit all of his stuff? He's this very rich person. And then at that point, so, you know, we've gotten the interviews and – we find out uh, Daniel Craig is interviewing Marta and says, "Hey, is it true that you can't lie? That when you lie, you throw up?" And she's like, "Yes." And so he asks her. He asks her all those questions. He's like, "Is Don Johnson's character is he having an affair?" She's like, "No." And then she throws up uh, because Christopher Plummer really liked Marta. Like she was such a nice, good, kind person. Literally the only good person in the movie. Uh, and she's the as everyone calls her the help and she uh but so he confided in her so he told her all of these secrets which was really cool and so then we find out so then they he goes well now i'm actually going to interview you so he's like just tell me what happened from start to finish and so we as the audience get to watch from start to finish what happens and so what actually happens is marta goes takes him upstairs to go to sleep they're going to play a game of euchre I believe is what it was, and um, one of those old-timey, you know, board games, and she administers, she has to administer this medication to him, but she also administers a small amount of morphine to him, uh, just a, you know, a very minor amount, and it was really funny the way that she, she's like, do you want to do some drugs, and he's like laughing, like, oh, that's so funny, and then she realizes she accidentally mixed up the doses, or she mixed up the bottles because he they're playing this game and she beats him she always beats him at the game and so he makes a big stink of it and flips the board over all the medicine falls off the table so she's like picking it up and she mixes them up so she gives him a hundred milligrams of morphine instead of three and he's like well what does that mean and and again christopher Plummer just knocks out the acting because he doesn't even get mad he's like "Well, what does that mean She's like, "Well, that means in about 10 minutes you're going to die unless I find the antidote." Like there's a there's an actual medicine. She's like, "There's a medicine here that I can just administer to you and you'll we'll be fine." And she's like looking around, she can't find it. And he's like, "Stop, stop, stop. Like it's okay. He's like, "Accidents happen." He goes, "Your mom is undocumented and I can't have you. I don't want your family ruined because of a small mistake like this." And it really is a small mistake, it just has huge consequences and um, so it's like wow like he is such a kind person and so he devises this plan he says i'm gonna make it look like a suicide basically you need to like sneak out a window here climb up around here to make it look like i'm walking around the house after you have made a showing of you leaving the house because you know he's a crime novelist so he knows how these things work and so he slits his own throat and dies and so the entire rest of the movie you're on your seat going like because it, it, the police off op- the uh, daniel craig's character is like i like you marta like you're honest you're a good person i want you to be my watson in this investigation because you know more about all these people than i think they do and so the whole time she's with him like holding her breath waiting for them to discover that it was her that actually accidentally did it and uh and so by that time even before that time when i saw that basically chris evans character did not show up to the funeral and everyone else did, and then he wasn't in the movie really, except for a flashback, until maybe an hour into the movie, so my guess was that it was Chris Evans, I thought it was Chris Evans that did it, because to me, if you want to make that be your guess, you make him, you don't show him for a while, that's that's the, the take that I got, so then when this whole Marta business came out, I was like, oh, oh, well, how are they going to pull this off, okay, so I guess she's the one who did it, but you're rooting for her the whole time, because the will reading comes up, and what happens is Christopher Plummer gives everything to Marta uh everything the house the publishing company 60 million dollars in liquid assets and the family is furious suddenly all of those ruses of them liking her are gone they're saying you know oh this is you need to do the right thing like you need to this is uh it's just, there's, so, like I said, so much political pieces to it that were so great and, and really showing how entitled these really rich white people were. And uh, so then the mystery kind of is afoot. And I won't, I'm not going to, obviously we're going to talk about the ending, but I won't spoil how we get there because obviously, you know, you need to see some bits of it and I don't want to explain the entire movie. But um, one thing leads to another and someone sends her a letter that they know, they have the toxicology report and they know what she did Uh uh-oh but we find out at the end of the day that it was chris evans character the entire time and he purposely switched the vials so he like so he put the morphine in the other medicines vial put the other medicine in the morphine vial but marta still gave him the morphine the full morphine bottle because as Daniel Craig's character explains she could feel because she's been doing this for years the subtle difference in weight between the two medicines because they have a different viscosity and I was just like that is so cool so she actually didn't kill him he legitimately killed himself because he slit his own throat so she's cleared Chris Evans's character is arrested Um, for some other things in the movie, he kills uh, this other person, and commits arson, but um, just a phenomenal film, I loved it, I give that one a 9 out of 10, the soundtrack was amazing, I fell in love with a song called Sundown, by, uh, I believe his name is Gordon, Uh, what is this, like Gordon Green, or something like that, I'm gonna pull it up on my phone, but um, it's, uh, gordon lightfoot the song sundown you better take care i heard that song in uh, beach bum earlier this year and i loved it and i i i heard it i loved it didn't think more of it but then when i was traveling i heard it on the radio and i i shazammed it and i was like where have i heard the song before and i finally figured out it was from beach bum that song is in this movie so i was like hell yeah that's great the other soundtrack stuff in here was great the score was great and, and again, the story was, I was on the, even though I knew, I knew those subtle things, like I've said before, it's the how, how do they execute it? And it was so well executed in such a great way. And there's even a really great, and I wanted to call this out at the very end, there's this, co- there's this coffee cup in the film, in the very beginning of the film that says, um, it says, my house, my rules, my coffee. And someone, I guess, I don't know who is the one drinking it, but at the very end, obviously, she's the owner of the house now. So Marta has the cup of coffee and she's standing outside, and her fingers are purposely covering all three of those words, almost to indicate that. You know an assumption of maybe she isn't deserving of those things that she kind of snuck in and took them but then the very last scene she has her finger off of the f- the first one my house so now it's she the final thing shows it say my house and i was like yes like she earned it she is a, a being a good person with a good heart prevails no matter where you're from um, and certainly not if you're a, a disgusting, entitled, you know, rich person like, like those ones were expecting the world to be given to them. So it was a great message, a great movie, and an amazing whodunit. So I'm really grateful I got to see that film. And then this morning, I got to catch another crazy good film called Honey Boy. This is the, um, I, I guess you could call it the therapy piece of Shia LaBeouf. It is written by Shia LaBeouf, directed by Alma Harel. Uh, starring Shia LaBeouf and Lucas Hedges and Noah Jupe, uh, it is a it is essentially a biography slash autobiography of Shia LaBeouf's life. So from what I understand, Shia LaBeouf, when he was going through therapy and rehab, part of his healing was he was going to make a movie about his dealings with his father because he had such a messed up relationship with his dad, and so that was part of the healing process. And you can tell. That he is pouring his heart and soul into this film and what's amazing as well is seeing lucas hedges pour his heart and soul into being shia labeouf along with noah doing the doing it as well as a young version so you get to see bits and pieces of when he was um on even stevens when he was in transformers when he was doing all this other stuff and it's just oh my goodness so it was a very powerful movie so shia labeouf plays his dad plays his his dad in real life the, the the father in the movie and it's just a really bad relationship his father's a felon and um he's like four years sober but he's just a terrible dad very abusive uh, mentally and at points physically as well it's not at points most of the time he lets his kid smoke and he's only 12 years old but uh, they live in a motel he drives them to set you know during the day and um just gives it's just a really hard situation to be in and then the other half of the movie is Lucas hedges in rehab uh trying to work through all of this and you slowly see him going from saying i there i don't have ptsd to realizing that yeah like the the life that i was in with my father was nuts it was insane and so he's like keeping journals and writing and sharing and and to me i i don't I, Shia LaBeouf wrote this so it's up to him to which parts were true and false i am choosing to believe all of it because i love shia labeouf i have loved shia labeouf since even stevens uh he he was my kind of humor actually uh, when i was younger i i modeled myself after lewis stevens i was i was a jokester and just thought he was the funniest character in the world and then you got the even stevens movie and, and then he started maturing and he got movies like Disturbia and Eagle Eye and Transformers, all of the Transformers movies. And then all of a sudden he kind of fell off the face of the earth and we're like, well, where, where is he? And you start seeing him do all these really weird and troubling things. And it was like, well, what? and, and most people were, I, it was so sad to see all these news articles and media ripping into him. And I, all I could think of was like, well, what's going on with him? Like, I hope he's okay. He's got to be going through something. And then to find out that this is what it was, that he, you know, was... Essentially, living the trauma that his father and his life had put on him, and, and lashing out, not really knowing what to do with help, like that's so sad. And so to see him come so far, and to now be in movies like Peanut Butter Falcon, and um, you know, all these other films that he's doing, I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up too because I gotta give him a call. Like I said, my bro, my brother, my brothers and I. Oh, Fury! Give me a break. He was in Fury. Um, my brothers and I are obsessed with him. He's one of my favorite actors. Um. Borg vs. McEnroe wasn't the best movie, but he did great. I loved American Honey. Did not like his rat tail. Uh, Man Down was insane. So was the Elastic Heart music video uh, by Sia. He was a Nymphomaniac. I really enjoyed that movie, along with Charlie Countryman was nuts. Um, Oh, Lawless? That's right. He was in Lawless. Wall Street, Money Never Sleeps. Indiana Jones... Uh, Holes, how about Holes, Surf's Up, uh, oh, Constantine, I, Robot? he was in Charlie's Angels, no way, I actually haven't seen that old Charlie's Angels movie, but, um, just, he has an amazing resume of movies, and I don't think there's been a Shia LaBeouf movie that I've seen that I haven't enjoyed just because I love Shia LaBeouf so much. So if you're a huge Shia LaBeouf fan, you have got to check this movie out. Here's the good news. It's an Amazon movie. So if you can't see it in theaters, if, if, if it's not in your area, and it is a limited release right now, it will eventually come to Amazon Prime. So uh, no worries there, but you need to see it at some point because it is it is a true piece of art in it, watching it and watching it from the perspective of Shia LaBeouf having written it, those characters being Shia LaBeouf and Shia LaBeouf having to be his dad. There's just so much catharsis in this movie that it just there's so many layers to it. So I really hope this gets nominated for something. I would hope either. Um, Either a best supporting for Lucas Hedges or for Shia LaBeouf and also I would be fine with a best original screenplay for Shia LaBeouf as well because that's just for him to go through that to be so brave to share that with the world to share his life like that um deserves a little bit of recognition I, I would think in my eyes also so as we wrap this up i was going to talk about it earlier but i said i'm going to be i downloaded some movies for uh netflix the irishman is out and um, uh marty i i got your message uh i told him that i was going to be traveling mart mart Marty, mart scorsese um and he told me he said hey alex uh, actually hold on i'll pull the text up real quick hold on said, Hey, Alex, uh, great to hear from you. Thanks so much for your support. Please download it on the biggest iPad that you have and watch it on the plane. I hear you have a long flight. It'll be perfect. Best, Marty. And uh, so that's what I've done. I've got that one downloaded. I also have the El Camino movie, the Breaking Bad movie downloaded, then the the King with Timothy Chalamet. And then I also saw this other movie called uh, I don't remember the title of it, but it has Alicia Vikander in it, and I am i don't know if I'll get to watch all of them, but the big, big spoil surprise is The Report, the, mo- the 9-11 movie that has uh, Adam Driver in it. That's an Amazon movie. Not only that... It is available on Amazon right now to stream for free, so I've downloaded that one for my trip as well, because I was really wanting to see that movie, but you know how it is, and and I've said this before, I do not like going to see Amazon and Netflix movies in theaters. I have no reason to give them any more money than I'm already giving them, Uh, but obviously I will give Shia LaBeouf all my money, so I I wasn't planning to see Irishman in theaters, and I was i was planning on seeing the report until i realized it was an amazon movie and then the fact that it was available to stream immediately i was like oh yeah sign me up so um so that's great so I'll, I'll try and check out some of those so hopefully i'll have a good some good reviews for you guys when i get back uh but until then for comics and cinema i'm your host alex klein and i'll see you at the movies